This is the What's Next podcast, Houston's number one platform, where I invite creatives to share their journeys and give us a depiction of their visions. Most importantly, the last question I'll ask is, what's next? Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Dear John, the iconic legend Quincy Jones said, To know where you came from makes it easier for you to get where you're going. Sean Diddy Combs said, Everyone has challenges and lessons to learn. We wouldn't be who we are without them. If 2018 and the last six years taught you something, it's that anything is attainable with the right focus and determination. Continue to build. Continue to promote your vision. Continue to inspire creativity and make more creatives. In closing, Nas said, No idea is original. There's nothing new under the sun. It's never what you do but how it's done. The first chapter of your vision's movements is done. However, you're still a visionary. Peace and blessings. John Rawls. Yo, I feel like 95, Sachi on my body, Biggie Jigga Puffy, all that ballin' is a hobby, and I'm wildin' in my wild. Oh my god. LA, LA, we're here for episode number 29 um, in the great city of Los Angeles, California. Okay. Um, before we get started with the episode, I want to do things differently. Episode 28, I let uh, Asia go first and introducing the social media handles and i want to give you the same opportunity so you go first okay my name is kalea vaughn you can follow me on instagram at kalea that's k-a-l-a-i-a-h you can also follow me on instagram at lady k the screenwriter and if you real old school you can find me on facebook by my government name kalea vaughn you said you said kalea you said what the screenwriter on instagram lady k the screenwriter i'm doing that right now i'm doing that right now and that page is public at kalea is private but that page is public lady k the screenwriter mm-hmm Lady K, the screenwriter. Hold on, I'm sorry. The screen. <laughs> Sound it out. Sound. Okay. Very okay, good. Got, got you. <laughs> I am. Oh, I'm following already. I am following already. See, look you at you. You haven't posted. I know I haven't posted because I need to pub publicize that page more. But yeah. Okay. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Oh, by the way, this is episode number 29 of the What's Next podcast. Our production is Still Visionary Inc. My name is John Ross Dyke the First. And you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at John Ross Dyke and still underscore visionary. If you would connect connect with me on LinkedIn, subscribe to my YouTube channel, visit and like my fan page, and visit my website at stillvisionary.com. You got a YouTube channel? You official? Oh yeah. Still Visionary <laughs> Inc. on YouTube. Gotta love it. No doubt. Um, how are you? I am well. I can't complain about anything. Can I say that uh this is my second official sunrise day in LA and it's uh you know, driving down to the city was just mm -hmm. a beautiful thing. It's incredibly beautiful. You yeah. pay for it, but it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> we paying for these palm trees out here. How you doing? How you doing? Man, I'm great. I am just, sometimes I can't believe that I'm actually doing this. Yes. Um, yes. Because I wanted to be a screenwriter for a very long time. Well, yeah. I'm going to say a very long time. I'm going to take that back. So probably around... I started teaching fall of 2013. Okay. Fall of 2014, I started to become incredibly restless. And I just, you know, very much like cranes in the sky. I tried to shop it away. I tried to work it away. I tried mm. to date it away. Mm. I tried to bundle it away, mm. um, buying bundles. I tried to apartment decorate it away. Mm. Um, I tried to do a number of things. And it wasn't until I just got really still and it started to hit me because my students were like, okay, miss, so what you really going to do in life? I said, well, what do you mean? Miss, we know this should, this is your play job. What do you like? What you really going to mm, do? They, t they hit me the same way. I had a couple of kids, you know, because towards the middle of the year, like, especially if you're a black teacher and you're young, yes. after like six weeks, they feel like 
you become their auntie. Mm. So like by Christmas, y'all start having really, really, really like real conversations. And then by the end of the year, it's like they don't have a filter. They're not disrespectful by any means. They just become very, very, very transparent, very, very, very candid with you. And I had a number of kids ask me that. And so it really hit me when this guy that I was dating at the time, great brother, was just like, what do you really want to do? He's like, I know you don't want to be a teacher forever. Mm. And I'm still kind of afraid to articulate it because in my mind, I couldn't see how is it even going to work. You know, I think one thing about being a teacher is that it's a very linear path. You go to college, you get a degree, you get a you get a teacher's license and you go to class. I'm like, it's ABCD. It's very linear. Linear is carved out for you. Being a screenwriter is not. There are a range of ways you can break into it. I didn't know any of them other than go to film school. Yeah. Um, It really hit me when I went to church and I ran into this lady who used to do my hair back when I was getting relaxed. So this was years ago. Oh. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> Listen. So Back when you was getting relaxed. I had an affirm perm. That's why I still got my edges. Some of you girls bald because y'all mama gave y'all just to me. But um, that's a word for somebody. Um, so, no, she used to do my relaxes. And she was like, great people. And, you know, anytime you go to a hairstylist for an extended period of time, they just start talking to you. Like, you, you really do tell your hairstyle is your business. Like, even my loctician, like, we, we rock the long way. Yeah. And she was just like, so, baby, what you doing? I said, well, I'm a teacher. And when I get done teaching after my third year, I think I want to go get a Ph.D. And I would love to be a professor of African-American studies because okay. I love my people, my okay. culture. Okay. And she was like, that's good. But, you know, you don't owe nobody nothing. You did what you were supposed to do. You went off. You grew up and you became a role model because I see your name up in lights. I don't want you to sell yourself short. Boy. And she walked off and goes in the sanctuary. I had not talked to her at that time. I think last time I spoke to her, I was probably 16 or 17, probably 17, my senior year of high school before I went to college. I hadn't spoken to her in well over a decade. And this is the first thing that comes out your mouth. So that gave me pause because I feel like sometimes God will have people be messengers, you know, and say things that you're thinking, you're feeling. And sometimes what they say can serve as confirmation. And so after that, it was just like people said, what are you willing to do? I want to be a screenwriter. But I was still afraid to get up and do it. I was still afraid to get up and leave because Dallas was home for me. You know, I've traveled. I visited lots of places. Dallas was home. Yeah. Dallas was what I knew. Dallas is easy to be very transparent. Texas is easy to me. Yeah. You know, so. In, term, in terms of what? In terms of what? Just, number one, um, I have a network there. Like, I never went to a networking event in Dallas because I would look at the company. Oh, I, I know somebody who was in management. Let me call. Hey, are y'all, I see this position y'all hire. Yeah, okay, I'm going to send you my resume, and then I get an interview. You know, I didn't have to network hard for jobs and jobs because I always knew somebody in a position of power. Mm. I always knew somebody in human resources. I always knew somebody who was um, a manager or, mm. oh, yeah, no, that's my wife. That's her team. You want to – let me tell – let me – let me. Uh, can I get my wife your number? Like, that's how it always happens. So, network for what? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, yeah. I didn't have – even when I became a teacher, I didn't have to do that. Like, I knew people. So it is not to say that I didn't have the resume to, to, to warrant me having the job, but it is to say that I didn't have to necessarily work as hard to get it as the next person. That's just the reality of it. So it's like I was still I still wanted to, to become a screenwriter, um, but I'm still very comfortable. You know, so I'm still kind of trying to act like this isn't what I want to do. So. After my third year of teaching, I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of the public school sector. Um, It's suffocating. You know, they want you to test, test, test. It's stifling. I'm tired of being looked at as the savior because black women in education, they want want us to be Jesus and work miracles. And so, you know, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of being a cleanup woman because they give the black teachers all the kids that no one else can understand. Mm. And so... I got tired of that. You know, not that I didn't love the kids, but just the politics at play. When you look at colleagues who are not black, they always get the smaller classes. They always get kids that have fewer learning disabilities. They always get kids that have fewer documented behavior problems. They always get to transfer kids out of their classes. So, you know, you just get tired of the politics after a while. And so I was like, let me go to the private sector. So I get hired at one of the best Catholic schools in Dallas and I get total freedom. I can teach what I want. My schedule is what I wanted it to be. Um, so I'm living in this luxury apartment. 
I'm at this amazing school. Yeah. I'm driving a new car. Yeah. So it always, I should be happy. I should be content because there are no standardized tests. Yeah. There, are, there is no, um, there, I have very few children. I didn't have any kids to be very transparent who were not reading on grade level. Okay. Which is new for me because I can really teach now because everybody can read. Yeah. So it's just, I'm at this amazing school. Um, they let me do whatever I want, whatever I wanted to teach. Any field trip I wanted to have, I could make the field trips happen. I could make the books happen. I could do whatever I wanted to do. And by Christmas, I'm restless again. Mm. So I'm still. So then my birthday came and I was January 19th. My birthday came and um, I was just like, you know what? The end of this school year, I'm going to resign from my job and I'm going to cash out my teacher retirement mm. and I'm just going to go to L.A. What uh, what uh, what year is this? This is year four of me teaching, which would be 2000. This is fall 2016, spring 2017. OK, so I was like, I'm, I'm going to cash out my retirement and I'm just moving to L.A. And so after I say that. <laughs> All hell break loose. Yeah. It's like somebody just left the back door to hell open and it just came. So my parents have been married for like 40 years. They filed for divorce. I'm like, I'm sorry. So do what now? Y'all, okay, so who's mad? Who need to come stay at my house for a week? Because y'all, this this is for play. No, it was for real. They have a whole whole divorce going on. So they filed for divorce. And so divorces are messy. They're tricky. There are lots of things, none of them pleasant. So I think when you're an adult, because you understand how relationships work, I think it affects you differently because you don't have the naivete that a kid would have where you don't necessarily see all the little details. You don't understand all the little pieces work together. As an adult, you get it because you've been in relationships. Um, You may even be married yourself. You have friends who've been through divorces, so you really get it. So I'm watching all this and I'm like, okay, maybe I'll stay in Dallas for a year, another year to let this settle, to let this boil over to see if they can reconcile that and then just to see just to make sure everybody's in a good place before i just up and move yeah. clear across the country yeah but the minute i say that i'm just still like i'm just not but i'm not fulfilled at this job like i love these these are some beautiful like brilliant kids i love my job i'm not fulfilled so i get up and go to church on easter sunday and i go to a church where no one knows me um, because I didn't want to go to the church I grew up at because everybody knows my parents are going through a divorce. I don't want people to be like asking yeah, me, am yeah, I okay? Like I yeah. just kind of want to be left alone. So let me go to church and no one knows me. I go to, um, my friend who's a minister. I go to his mentor's church that that Sunday and it's Easter Sunday at a black church. They're doing the offering time and you know, black church Nothing stops the offering. Like, let's let's the fire marshal come and be like, we finna get this offering from these people. <laughs> so, literally, while they're giving offering, the pastor comes up. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I'm sorry. Y'all just had a music stop. So everybody looking like. So my first thought is, oh, maybe we're at fire capacity, fire marshal capacity. Maybe we got evacuated. But I'm not tripping because you know these things happen, right? Maybe somebody car about to get towed. I don't know. So the minister's like, uh, God told me to tell somebody, it's time for you to chase that thing that's going to give you fulfillment. It's time for you to chase that thing that's going to fulfill you, that's going to uplift you. God told me to tell somebody that it's time for you to not be, uh, it's time for you to stop being unfulfilled. So I'm like, mm. I immediately, I'm in the back pew, I'm just bawling because that was confirmation. Mm. So Mother's Day weekend, I resigned from my job. Before I, the school year was up. Before the school year was over, because oh, it's, I wanted it's, it's, when you do that, it's peak time. It's, it's time. It's peak time because I was like, okay, you know what? They can find somebody before summer vacation, because my departmental chair had just had a baby. I was like, I want her to be able to enjoy her summer. I don't want to deal with hiring, so I resigned Mother's Day weekend. I did not know where I was going to live. I didn't know where I was going to work. I go down to my apartment to the leasing office. I give them my my notice that I'm not renewing my lease because my lease ended July 31st. So I was like, I'm not renewing my lease. Um, I don't know where I'm going. I start texting my friends. If you can haul it, you can have it. I literally gave away everything in my apartment. I didn't sell anything. I gave everything away. Um, so living room set, flat screen TV, the case it was in, all my kitchen stuff, all of uh, my entire bedroom set. I gave away lots and lots of clothes because my thing is I only need what I can put in my car. That's all I need. 
and I gave away everything. And my thing was, if you can haul it, you can have it. It got to the point to where, girl, what time you get off work? Okay, I'm going to bring it to your house. Like, I'm dropping stuff off at people's houses because I'm like, you know, this stuff is part of the reason why I'm not in Los Angeles because I'm tied to it. I feel like I have to have these things because if I have these things, these things are indicative of my success. They're indicative of the long hours I work, of the time I spend in college, right? So I have to have these things. You know, um, I'm taking my master's degree off the wall. Mama just holds this at your house. I mean, I'm putting it back in the regular envelope. It came in the mail. Like, I am stripping myself of everything that I felt like defined me because I had been this educated, single, independent black woman for so long. That's all I knew how to be. And to be clear, like, is there merit in being that? Oh, absolutely. I love to see sisters doing it for themselves. I think, however, sometimes we get so caught up in doing it for ourselves that we don't think about what God needs from us. I think my mistake was I didn't leave room for God. Mm. So it was like, this is what I wanted. We're going to have church in here, man. We're going to have church in Los <laughs> Angeles on a Sunday. Asia, we're going to have church in your, in your apartment on a Sunday, well, I'm man. taking up a collection twice. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead. No, nah, you good. Um, but so it was so that's just where I was, right? So I get down to where I've given up everything. Um, my apartment is finally empty. Shout out to my mama, helped me break down my whole apartment. So we get to the point where I'm polishing my floors because my apartment had wood floors. So everything has been given away at this point. My last two days in my apartment, I'm sleeping on the floor because I've given everything away. Um, I slept on the floor and then I had a going away dinner. It was really intimate. And I was glad everybody came through, gave me well wishes. And then I leave. So it's a 21-hour drive from Dallas to Los Angeles. So, of course, it's just me. So after the first 10 hours, I stop at a hotel. And my little brother calls me um, because he was working at Hilton at that time. So he had got me a room at a Hilton. He paid for it. That was my going-away gift from him. Shout-out to my little brother, Dion. No doubt. And so I stay at the hotel. The next morning as I'm leaving, keep in mind, I still know where I'm going to stay. I've booked an Airbnb, so I at least have somewhere to lay my head. But in terms of like permanent residency, in terms of a job, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. My baby cousin, his best friend Terrence, had moved to L.A. in April. Because now this is June when I'm driving to L.A. And Terrence was working at that time in a talent agency. And um, Terrence called me. And we were going to link up when I got here anyway. Like, go to dinner, let me show you around the city, whatever, whatever, whatever. Keep in mind, this is my baby cousin that stays in Michigan, so I've never met his best friend. Mm. Okay. Terrence just knows me through my aunt because my baby cousin's grandmother is my aunt. Mm-hmm. So Terrence calls me, hey, where you where you staying at when you get to L.A.? And I was like, oh, I got an Airbnb for two weeks. Yeah, you should cancel that. If they're not going to charge you money for canceling, just cancel the Airbnb and come stay with me. And I was like. I got a dog. He said, oh, okay, you and your dog, come stay with me. I just dropped my address. I got to go back to work. It's my lunch break. It's over. But um, I'll look for you. How many hours? Okay, I'll look for you not around midnight. Just call me when you're on your way. Come mm. stay with me. Mm. I pull over to the gas station. I'm just shocked because I'm just like, this guy didn't even know me. I said, this is nobody but God. And, like, one thing I heard Devon Franklin say is that provision is God's confirmation. You're doing the right thing. Mm. So... I canceled my Airbnb. They didn't charge me anything for canceling. So me and my dog, we pushing it. This next 10 hours, we get to L.A. And at that time, Terrence lived by UCLA. And we get there like literally at 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I make it. And I'm in L.A. And so that night, I slept on a couch in Terrence's living room. And I brought in one piece of luggage with me. But I felt more free sleeping on somebody's couch with my luggage than I had felt in a very long time. Yeah. I felt free. I felt young again. Not that I'm old, but I just felt really young. I felt like I was going to college again for the first time. Because yeah. I think it's something magical about when your mom and dad just drop you off yeah. at college and they pull off. For me, it's like your awakening begins at that point. So yeah. I felt like my third eye was open yeah. in a way that it hadn't been. Yeah. Right? Because now I'm not working currently. And so I don't hear all this noise, Yeah, you know, the noise of my job, the yeah. noise of rent doing the first, the noise yeah. of, oh yeah, for sure. you know, you know, just the for noise sure. of for being sure. an adult. Like yeah. I, and so I can really hear God and I'm just, I'm still, 
which was something else that God had been telling me, just be still, like just be still for a minute. You know, and I was always hustling, bustling, hustling, bustling, moving and getting a, getting a part-time job and then starting my own tutoring company. And then, you know, always doing something, never yeah. sitting still. Yeah. Because I got to make money because as long as I'm working and making this money, I don't have to have that hard conversation with myself that even though I'm working and making really good money, I'm not happy. Yeah. So as long as I can stay busy, I don't have to have that conversation. As yeah. long as I can jump yeah. fly at, at the happy hour at the event, I don't have to have that conversation. long as I'm dating somebody who looks at me and like, oh, she got all her stuff together, I don't have to admit that I'm really not happy. Yeah. That I'm not, well, I'm not fulfilled. Let me yeah. put it that way. Yeah. I don't have to have that conversation. Yeah. So it was a humbling moment for me to just not have any of those things and yeah. be forced to just be still yeah. and think. Yeah. So you, you, you're in L.A. now, but I want to backtrack right quick. I want to get you. We went to U of H together. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was your major at U of H? I majored in English. Okay. And I, I, I had Monique. You remember Monique Duke? Monique Duke, yeah. I had her on the podcast. Uh, she said that she was always Hey, Monique. Hey, Monique. She said that she was always a writer. Were you always a writer? Yes. So English minor in? African-American studies. African-American studies. Okay. Shout out to African-American studies department, the best department at U of H. Okay, no doubt. And yeah. uh, so, so you're an English major. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you put together your first, your first piece to write? Because I want to get into the script that you looked at for me. So when I was in college, okay. I was writing lots of poetry. Okay. Because at that time, I majored in English because when I was in college in the early 2000s, magazines were still very, very popular. Okay. They were still hiring full-time staff writers. My my dream was to be like... Hold on, hold on. Sorry. L.A., L.A. <laughs> and boys out right. there. <laughs> um, my dream was to be like Sonali Anthony Brown Sugar, where she was a magazine editor. Yes. So that's yes. what I wanted to do, right? Um, mm. I love writing... For, I used to write for the school newspaper. Okay. Um, I was freelancing. I would, you know, independent magazines, independent newspapers, people. The, the, that was like the very early stages of blogging. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was playing. I was getting my hands dirty and all of that. Um, when I graduated, it was 2008. So that's the height of the recession. Magazines are laying off people in droves because they're realizing we can't afford full-time staff writers, we can, but we can run this ship if we have lots of freelance writers because full time means benefits and all those other things. But if I just get a bunch of freelance writers, I don't have to have a full time staff. So watching that up close, watching how Essence at that time had to sell part of their ownership to Time Warner, watching how Ebony literally almost went under because of like low readership. It made me rethink the whole magazine publishing idea Um, because in 2008, that's when a lot of platforms start to slowly have digital content. So you could go to an essence.com and really read articles. You could go to an ebony.com. Um, Jet was in its final stages, you know, before they totally stopped issuing Jet Magazine at all. Um, Vibe was starting to go more and more and more online. You know, the days of spending, dropping $5 to get this Vibe Magazine, those days were done. That's yeah. out. Yeah, for sure. You know, so for someone like me who grew up reading nothing but black magazines, it was like, okay, so this is out. Back to plan, you know, make another plan. Um, so then when I got out of college, I was still just freelance right here and there. I would do poetry. And then for a while, I didn't write at all. It wasn't until I went to college in my last. So when I went and got my master's. Um, in what? I got my master's in liberal studies okay. with, a, with a focus in American studies. It was as close as I could get to African-American studies without leaving Dallas. Okay. So there we are. <laughs> so... Um, I, we had to turn in like our final capstone and, um, I turned in my capstone and we had options. And so one of the options was to do a collection of poetry. Cause I'm we, sorry, I don't, what is a capstone? So if you mean. don't do a math, if you don't do, uh, I'm sorry. So when you go to grad school, you have a, a thesis option, you have a capstone option. Okay. So it took me three years to get my master's cause I went part-time, but in the spring, one of my classes asked for a capstone, even though I wasn't graduating. Okay. So we had a, a variety of options for your capstone. It could be like a photography collection. Um, it could be a number of things. It was a civil rights class. And we had gone on this pilgrimage all throughout the South. Mm. And so I had a collection of poetry okay. that I submitted. My professor calls me, this white man, he used to smoke a Newport down to the filter, okay? <laughs> um, I love Dr. Simon. Shit! Listen, I'm talking about down, I'm talking about when we take the 15-minute break in class, he outside just like just, a chimney. 
It's getting it's down to the ain't nothing left. So you know he was real cool. Jay Jay Renault, man, what's up, baby? I, I just thought Aww. of the story. He, he he told me. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Listen. So you know he was cool people. So I had turned in my capstone and he called me. He said, Damn it, woman, you can write. Hey, Dr. Simon. Shit, this is good. I'm uploading your grade now. I just wanted to call and tell you because um I don't know if you're gonna come and get your 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 collection back, but damn it, you can write. Yeah. Thank you. So I was like, okay, maybe I should start back doing this again. Yeah. And it just went from there. Um I didn't write my first full script though, so I moved out here to LA. Okay. How many pages? It was like fifty-five. Fifty-five. Yeah, because I have I only have I have one feature, one short, and then everything else I have are pilots. Okay. So an hour-long pilot should be no longer than 60 pages. Okay. So mine was 55. Let me tell you how God worked. Um, so I don't remember what the occurrence was that had me hit you up, right? But I got into a spell where I was just, I had all these creative juices coming, mm-hmm. right? And I hit you up and I'm just, I, don't, I forget the conversation. I forget the platform, but I know I hit you up because I remembered you from U of H. You mm-hmm. were... Miss Black and Gold, you know, you did all Shout of that. Shout out to the Alphas. Hey, y'all. You, hey. You, you did all of that. And then when I found out that you were a writer, I was like, okay, let me just shoot this to her. Let me see what she says about it. And then we can move forward. Right? You give me your price. And, and I was like, you know, at the time I was just like, damn, she's charging me. But then I was like, you know what? You got to. As you start to climb and you mm-hmm. deal with people that, that are professionals, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Right, you can't you can't refute, you can't argue this. So you 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 um long story less long, the person Asia who were in her house right now, I hit her and I'm just like, hey, would you be in this short film with me, that uh uh that uh my friend helped me edit. Let's talk about that. How what did you what did you think about? Do you remember that? It's, it's been so. I long. remember it. Um, you were actually one of the first people because at that time, my I had a private company and I was specializing mainly in tutoring. Yeah. But I also I've always done editing on the side, like even okay. in college, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah. it was like one of those things I was doing on the side. So you had written a short film, and I was like, yeah, because I had edited some plays before. It's like, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. So I was editing for you, and um. Believe it or not, in terms of prices, I was like, okay, so this is longer. Let me see what the market rate is. Okay. And so let me cut that in like half. Okay. Because the market rate is typically for people. So you people. gave me a discount. I definitely No did. doubt. No doubt. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Shit. Listen. Yes. I yes. said, so let me see what's the market rate. And I'm going to cut that market rate in half because yeah. it's like people who charge the market rate, they typically are working in New York, in LA. They do This is all they do. Yeah. But that wasn't my story, and I'm gonna be yeah. tr- so. Let me be honest. So it's kind of like, you know, the girl who does your hair at home charges less than a girl that's at a salon, right? So it's kind of one of the. It's the same mentality for me. So I edited that, and I was happy to edit it because I was like, oh wow, like. And then editing yours, I was like, I could definitely be writing a script, like, and I think, even though I majored in creative writing, my concentration on the creative writing side is two tracks. It's a poetry track. It's a fiction track. Mine was the poetry track. So initially. I was hesitant to write something long just because I came I come from a poetry background. We're mm-hmm. talking one, two, three, four pages. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about a story, you know, you talk about a, a pilot, at least 30 pages. Right? And so the upside to going to grad school is that it taught me to write extensively mm. in a way that I had not done before. Extensively defined. As so write long, like okay. right. So to get out, of, get out the ten page mentality. Okay. Right. Um. And so it got me into the the fifty page, the sixty page mentality mm. with a couple revisions. Right. Mm. It got me into that mindset of doing that. And I think I opted my last year of college of grad school to do a capstone because the thesis would have taken me a year and I was ready to go. So I did a capstone and. I love my mentor, Dr. Simon. He was just like, same guy with his Newports. I was like, <laughs> how long should it be? He's like, just write a full paper. So what he said, just write a full paper. And I think a lot of times, you know, we're asking God how, and God's like, just live a full life. Just live your full purpose. Yeah. And so I wrote a full paper that just so happened to be 60 pages. And then now I've transitioned into an industry where I'm typically writing at least 30 pages, right? But doing that taught me I could do it. Cause I had never written that much before. So it was eye opening for me. Like you can do this. Like this can be done. Yeah. So I was happy. Yeah. I was happy. 
Yeah. So so you write it and let's talk talk about the script right quick because you've you've mentioned poetry so much in this mm-hmm. um, that I have to hear you spit some. Oh. And and so the thing is this: before you spit, I'll spit. Okay, bit. So that that way it gives you time to think about what you want to spit. Okay. It could be short. Okay, listen. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do about five bars of mine. Okay, look. So I got some stuff in my phone. I don't have nothing memorized. Okay, I, that's I don't no perform. problem. That's no problem. Okay, I'm gonna get my phone. That's no problem. So no I'm problem. A, I'm gonna read my Easter speech. You wanna, you wanna grab your phone right? Yeah, quick? I'm gonna read my Easter speech. Is that okay? Grab, what what size T-shirt do you wear? Uh, medium. Medium. Okay. It's medium. Grab <laughs> grab your phone. And okay, then, And then we want to talk about we want to talk about uh, carousel. We want to talk about carousel. We do want to talk about carousel. Good. Okay. Go ahead. But this is not for right now. This is for later on. Okay. Okay. But okay. Ahead. But uh, no. So let's talk about uh, Carousel first. Bet. If it's trash, because this is the thing. Uh, creativity comes from experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And um, a part of a part of my journey is that there was a point in time that I just thought that everything that I was doing was a shit. Okay. And I was. You were like, definitely in your twenties. Maybe later twenties, yeah. And I was. I think that's all of us, yeah. And I was like, "Listen, you can't tell me nothing on some Kanye shit, right? Right. You can't tell me nothing." And then after the disappointment of the first project we did, I said, "Okay, it's 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 just time. You gotta, you know, you're not the you're not the editor here, and you don't know the the proper syntax of how words and paragraphs and everything should go. You need to find somebody who does this." And 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 ask them what they honestly think. If it's trash, then you know that's part of creativity. You got to start over, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, I just was like, I got to open up more, right? And so I'm just interested to hear what you say because if it's trash, the world gonna know it. I'm gonna know it, and and that just helps me to grind and 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 go a little deeper. Mm-hmm. So, what'd you think about it? I thought it was good. Keep in mind, I haven't looked at it since like two years okay, ago when okay. I edited it. Okay. But I thought it was good. I love the premise. I love what how. What does that word mean? I'm asking you that because I don't know what that word. No, means. you good. I ask people that all the time. So what you, is, you what is one. Pr- what is premise? So premise is like the setup, like where you're trying to go with it. So okay. like the premise of Lean on Me is a black man trying to come in and save a school. Okay. Like that's the premise of it. Okay. So I love the premise, like this relationship that's been going in circles, and you're trying to stop the carousel, right? Yes. Yes. So yes. I get that. Um, I would love to look at it again with a fresh set of eyes okay. because I too have a writing coach slash editor. Okay. So I am now paying somebody to do the same thing I did for you. Okay. And you're right. You do have to get a fresh set of eyes yes, on it. You do yeah. have to invest in it. Okay. You know, so yeah. Okay. The, so the premise, I like that word. <laughs> okay. So you like the premise. All right. So um, are you ready to spit? You said you were going to spit first. Okay. So, um, oh man. Um, Really, honestly, I started off as a poet, um, right, before I started acting, before I started really putting, like, before I started screenwriting and all of that. So uh, I started this poem on an episode, uh, episode seven, and I'm going to pick up from here. Um, And this is the only one I really remember. So uh, that's what I'm going to pick up from this point. Okay. Um, Everything's the same. Our eyes, nose, and last names. The distant memories of wanting to be your dad presently plagued me because differences in opinion split the family we had. The plight of a man is a generational curse we can't shake. Don't want to be another statistic, but, a te- but it seems the, f- the term baby father we just can't break. Moms ain't like my style. All, all her friends, yada, 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 yada. Moms ain't like my style. She complained I ain't make enough. All her friends flipped the latest bags, and my finances could- couldn't afford that stuff, so... We agree to disagree only when it comes to you because in my vision, I envision private schools. And then I, I'm stop right there. Okay. Okay. In my vision, I envision private schools. Um, um, yeah, I can't remember it. I'd have to look it up and then maybe. let's. So let me look it up and see. Society. Let me look it up and see. And then maybe I could pick up a couple more lines if you're not ready. <laughs> Oh shade. <laughs> no, 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 no. We shooting slugs. Listen, no, 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 no. We're not we're not shooting slugs, but there's a difference I learned a long time ago between a stage poet and a page poet. Oh, it's a huge difference. Yeah. So it's a huge difference. I'm not quite yet that on the stage. This is the only one I vividly remember because I spent so many times practicing, 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 practicing. What did I leave off at? Uh, you envision private school. 
Okay, because in my vision, so she figured because I'm six two, you bloom, get my height, and be the star of a team or two. But nobody understands wanting to be a good man, breaking the cycle, saying forget hoop dreams, take life by its horns, and grind out for the rainy days. Women won't see our vision because they're too fixated on today. Well, yeah, I'm forgot it. Yeah, so I've gone from poetry to writer are, to yeah. all of it. Yeah, so go ahead. Poetry's a fun place to start, though. Go ahead. Go okay, ahead. so this one. The style of it was okay. inspired by Kanye West's SNL freestyle. Okay. 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 <clears throat> Can I slide this back a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. You slide it back. You want me one of them church deacons fixing the mic. <laughs> and let me say this, man. LA, LA, man. Listen, uh, you've been out here two years. Asia's been Ooh. out here seven years. This is my second day. Uh-huh. Second full day with the sunrise up in Los Angeles, and I am loving it. It's so, so beautiful. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, everything's a go out here right now. Everything. All right. So this is inspired, like I said, by Kanye's SNL performance. The style of it. The style of it. Okay. Um, the words themselves were inspired by a real-life experience. Okay. So it's short. So am I doing the whole thing? Because it's not that long. No, just give us, uh, just give us um, six bars, six or seven bars, eight bars to make it even. Okay. Uh, my count game is a little off, so we, we going to... Okay. Okay, well, I just... Do you write your poetry in A, B, A, B, A, B, A, B, or A, A, B, B, C, C, D, B? Whatever I feel. Okay. So just give us to the point where it's just like you're not giving us the whole thing people want to say. You know what? I'll pay you to come out and um, perform this. Okay, bet. <laughs> Go ahead. He said, I said... He looked at me and he said, he said, he said, he said, you got too many dudes, Kalea. I want to know, do you got room, Kalea? Let's work on me and you, Kalea. <laughs> Let your voice slide through, Kalea. Wait, you sell a bit, Kalea? Wait, I can't buy a bit, Kalea? How I'm a benefit, Kalea? Is you counterfeit, Kalea? Just give me some time, Kalea. I got to make up my mind, Kalea. Never met your kind, Kalea. Why you got to be so fine, Kalea? A jump off is all she was, Kalea. Straight sex, no making love, Kalea. Man, you was finna get cuffed, Kalea. I ain't know she left her stuff, Kalea. I wish you pick up, Kalea. Damn, I messed up, Kalea. Talking to your voicemail sucks, Kalea. I ain't trying to get cut, Kalea. Hmm. That's all I got. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, Asia, when you said this was you said this was Midtown at uh, LA. Yo, listen, Houston, Texas. I'm gonna tell you this, man. This is the number one podcast in Houston, Texas. You know what I'm saying? And, and this is the reason for it. So um, let me go here. Uh, today is September the first. We're finally in the month of September. The true Virgos. Not to say anything about. The eight Virgos prior to September the 1st. Okay. But uh, the true Virgos, okay. uh, September the 1st, 2019. And we have 121 days left in 2019. What do you hope to attain in our 121 days? Which is different from what's next, is which I've asked you last. Okay. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. I hope to obtain a pilot that is ready for me to show to an agent. Okay. That's where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This LA culture, okay, how do you feel it's different from being in Texas? Because we Texas in Ooh, have Texas. a shine, Lord. Okay. Right. Well, how do you, how you feel it's different? Um, so this is definitely the LA fakers. Let me just call it out there. <laughs> um, LA fakers and LA flakers. So it's, it's those two things. Um, just say yes. Okay, okay, I, I got an amen corner back there. <laughs> Listen, um, and let me just say, this is not a diss to my to people that I met in Los Angeles because I love them. Oh, golly. But I just, you know, I have to call a cat a cat. Um, so, meow. There we go. Um, but first things first. So, I think once you get beyond the cost of living difference, because there is a huge difference. Because in LA, like this table, they'll tell you it's $2,100 a month to live here, right? Just for the table. So, whereas down south, 2100 you four-bedroom, two-bedroom house. house, you got a yard, you, you in a nice subdivision, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's cute. Um, down here, mm, yeah, no, not so much in LA. $2,100, you could still be hood adjacent, right? Because at the bottom of Baldwin Hills, you got the jungles, the same projects where they feel on training day. Yes. Baldwin Hills is the Black Bamboo Hills. At the bottom, it's tra- you know, same place they feel yeah. on just the projects. Yeah. So, 
That's that, right? Because growing up in Dallas, Dallas got strict zoning, so you would never have a Baldwin Hills next to the jungles. Yeah. They'd be miles apart, so people would know they was in the hood, right? Yeah. So that was my first big That's thing. That's how it is in Houston, too. Yeah, Houston doesn't really have zoning. Yeah, I noticed that when I moved Yeah, here. we're not. We're not yeah, because you got the pretty house on the bayou, and then right then you got French and across, shit, right? Across the way. Yeah. That's third ward. So Absolutely. people get confused. When you when you exit 288 and you depending on where you're coming from, if you're coming from Keyland mm-hmm. or you're coming from downtown, left or right, right? On the right side, that's Riverside Terrace. Mm-hmm. Across the bayou, that's third wall. Go Absolutely. On. Go on. So that. Um, but one thing that I realized here is that you have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt because this is a big city. And so much like big cities, you know, people are very close, very focused on trying to make it. So everybody here hustles, like out here. Because in the South, you work in two jobs. Hmm. Oh, girl, you working hard. LA, two jobs is what everybody's doing. Everybody has a secondary source of income, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's something they do on their own or whether you punch in the clock somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Everybody has two sources of income, um, that part. But just the culture of the city. So you're no longer in the Bible Belt. So you can't assume that everybody's a Christian. You can't assume mm-hmm. they're right. So that's, that's something new, too. I think I've met more like black atheists out here than I ever have. Yeah. Um, great people, but just something different for me coming from the South, right? Where everybody's either Christian or, or nation of Islam. Yeah. It's one or the other. Um, trying to think what else. I've met lots of Jews out here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I even worked at a Jewish school for a while, which was dope. It was an experience. Yeah. Um, what else can I say about LA? The traffic is bad. It's definitely horrible traffic here. Mm. Um, one thing that I will say though, and this pains my heart, I've never seen a city so desensitized to the homeless epidemic Mm. because, you know, in Dallas, we have homeless, a homeless population, but it's not, it's nothing like it's probably 5% of what I see out here in LA because in LA, you know, like they, they live in it at the bus stop. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They living in the corner of the the Home Depot parking lot. You know, they, they are literally living everywhere and it's weird because they'll come through and do these cleanups, right? But I had never seen a whole street where everybody's living on a tent, on an entire street, Jeez. an entire block. You know, so it's humbling and it puts things in perspective for you because it's like, you really going to complain? And mm. look, look at what you're driving past going to work every day. Mm. You know, so it's, um, I think that's probably something that I'll never get used to It's just, the the rate of homelessness here in Los Angeles. Mm. You know, it's it's painful just to see, especially if you're not from here. Because it's just like and then it seems like a lot of people in the city are desensitized to it. You know, um a lot of businesses are desensitized to it because they would very much be in front of a business living, you know, and at first I was like, oh, because I live in South Central currently. So first I was like, oh, it's because I live in South Central. No, I've been in like really nice areas of LA. Like I've been in Westchester. I've been over there in Westwood. These are like your really nice areas where everything is expensive. And they're very much living out in the open air. So they it's not like where it's concentrated into these little pockets. No, they're living like everywhere here. I've been out to Malibu Beach and had to get gas. It was a guy living at the gas station at Malibu wow. Beach. And keep in mind, there are parts of Malibu Beach that are private. That you can't even access if you don't own that part of the beach. So just imagine the kind of money it would take to literally own part of Malibu Beach because your condo sits adjacent to it. And then you go up a mile and a stoplight to a gas station and there's a homeless person living at the gas station. So I so that just it puts a lot of things in perspective. Damn. Yeah. You know, and I've been, you know, to D.C. I've been to New York. I've been lots of places, but I've never seen a city have a homeless epidemic like I see in LA. Mm. So I think that's probably like one thing that I'll never get used to. Because yeah. it's just like, Lord, like it's just shocking. Yeah. What song's on your mind right now? What song is on my mind right now? Um. Okay, somebody out of Houston. Um, his name is Toby. Okay. See that, Asia? Go ahead. She, we were talking about him yesterday. Okay, yeah. yeah I love what he's doing. I'm When he comes to play LA, I'm definitely going to go to his show. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it's an experience. You've been? Yeah, it's an experience to uh, see, to utilize, to see how he utilized IG. It's mm-hmm. an experience, the consistency. Yeah. When I thought about being consistent, I said, I want to I want to be as consistent as he was. Because he said something that resonated with me. He was like, I'm going to give this 10 years. 10 years. 
And if I ain't hit in 10 years and I'll do something different. Yeah. And I thought about that because yeah. one thing LA has taught me is that consistency has to become the forefront of your life yeah. to, in order to do what you do. Yeah. I have a friend yeah. of mine. His name is Randy McKinnon. Um, he just had a film on Netflix called Chambers. Randy was working at Fox. And I remember we had met up for brunch. He was at, he didn't have to clock in until nine. He got to work every day at 4 a.m. So he could write from 4 till 8 a.m. Mm. And then or 4 to 8.30 and then start doing stuff for work at 8.30. Mm. He did that for like two years straight. And then, you know, now he has an agent, right? I know that's only part of his story. But I thought about that. For me, what it reminded me of is consistency. Yeah. And a lot of times God is waiting on us. Mm. You know, the opportunities are there. You know, the harvest is clean, the workers are few, right? Mm. You're a worker in a farm. You got to get up every day and till the soil. You got to get up every day and pull out weeds. You got to give up every day and, and water and fertilize and do whatever the crop requires. Mm -hmm. So I think of that. And if you look at anybody who, who makes it, they're consistent. Shonda Rhimes said, you can't say you're right if you don't write every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I paid for her online screenwriting class, which yeah. is dope. I think On anybody. Yeah it's, yeah, it's her master class. Yeah. Anybody who wants to be a screenwriter, it is the best money you'll spend. You have lifetime access to the course. You can print out all that stuff. It's really, really good. And yeah. she's incredibly transparent yeah. about her process and starting from scratch to getting where she is, right? Yeah. Yeah. But she said it. And Terry McMillan, one of my favorite authors, said the same thing. Yeah. She said, I couldn't call myself a writer until I started to only live off what I made from writing. Yeah. You know, she was selling waiting to exhale on the side of the freeway out her trunk. Yeah. So when you look at people who, who've made it, their dedication is insane. Okay. So what song from Toby? Um, I love Still In My Bag. Okay. I that love that. That's recent. That That's, nice recent. That's recent. I like Ivory. Um, okay. I, to be very transparent, so I was following him, but not just really, just really, really, really paying attention until this yeah. summer. Yeah. And I was like, this is like poetry. That's crazy how how you know somebody's made it when you're talking about him. Like I stood, I was telling Asia this, you know, off the air yesterday. Which this this snippet of come on on my IG story, but I was telling her, um, we stood like shoulder to shoulder, and she was talking. He was talking about um, when he before he was gonna get married. Mm -hmm. He was talking about fat. Mm -hmm. He was talking about why he wasn't ready to marry her. Mm -hmm. And he said that you know he mentioned it, but he never said her name. Come to find out later on, he started to grow. Instagram followers start to grow. Everything started to grow. And then I see, oh, that was the girl he was talking about that he had met. That he put it, you know, cinematically did all those things with it. But yeah, consistency. Mm -hmm. Consistency. It's key. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, um, Alicia Keys, Try Sleep on a Broken Heart. I, okay. tried to, I tried to write something to my son the other day about that. And I was thinking this morning, uh, Jim Jones off the uh, El Capo album, I'm going to go uh, Good Die Young, because I feel like he was good when he died young. Mm -hmm. But it was his time. So, mm -hmm. so um, yeah, those two songs are on my mind right now, presently, while I'm here in California, Los Angeles, California. So um, that brings me to this. You mentioned uh, getting Shonda Rhimes' uh, masterclass. Yes. You're out here in L.A. now. You're from te Texas girl out here in L.A. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a Texas girl that follows behind your steps. She finds out about you, follows you on Instagram. What advice, how are you going to tell her to do what you did, but in her own lane to become a screenwriter? What are you going to tell her? I would tell her to trust the process. What does that mean? I think we get so caught up in the how that it's very easy to forget what God told us to do. Okay. Right. So if God told you, take your gift and become a screenwriter, that's what you do. Okay. We get so caught up in the how. How is it going to work? How, how am I going to live somewhere? How am I going to eat? How am I going to do this? But what I've come to realize is that the how is where God does his best work. Yeah. So I feel like you be you and let God be God mm -hmm. and then things will be great. That's what I would, but just trust the process, you know, trust the rejection letters. I have a binder full of rejection letters. Okay. Trust them. Thank God for them because what it shows is you still putting your name out there. Um, be open to doing different things. You know, even if you feel like, oh, I'm going to be a screenwriter, I volunteer with the tech ministry at one church to work the cameras mm. because I want to be a, because I, I treat that like my film school. Mm. Okay. 
So this is film school for me because it's the same camera, believe it or not. The lenses get better the higher you get in Hollywood or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's the process of it is the same. Mm -hmm. right? It's like driving a car. If you can drive a Chevy Cruze, you can drive a BMW, right? Mm -hmm. Once you learn the skill. So it's like, all right, so I work the cameras there. Um, recently, this guy on Instagram, an up-and-coming director, his name is Clint. Uh, with Lavish Creatives, I auditioned for them and we shot an independent film this summer. I was acting, mm. right? And so the film comes out on Amazon Prime sometime in 2020, in the mm. spring. But what I've come to realize is don't put yourself in a box mm. because we get so caught up, oh, all I do is write. But God might be wanting to tell you, listen, okay, that's what, that's what gets you in the door. But there are a range of things you can do. Okay. You know? That's what I would say. Okay. Go to every event you can go to. Um, when events say they need people to work the events, like to be help, be help, yeah. right? Be the meat will inherit the earth. So be be humble. Be you know I've worked a bunch of events, twelve hour days, fourteen hour days, sixteen hour days, and you're an assistant to people. You're an assistant to celebrities for a day at this event. Do it. You learn so much. Yeah. Just be grateful, like Jill Scott said. Be grateful that you can be in the room. Yeah. Trust the process. And L.A. is a big room. Be glad that you're in the room. Mm. Root for everybody that makes it before you do. Mm. Root for everybody that gets a literary agent before you do. Everybody mm. that gets um, a big role. Everybody that gets signed. Everybody that gets their million dollars. Root for them the mm. same way you root for yourself. Because what happens is when God puts you in proximity of people who are doing what you want to do and they're getting what you want to get. What he's reminding you is, hey, what I'm doing for them, I can do for you too. Mm. Root for everybody. Root for everybody that's doing it. Wow. That's what I would say. Jesus Christ. I, uh, <laughs> this is just a tangent. I, uh, we had a large meeting okay. this past week. And my whole premise of the large meeting is I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to LA. I've never been before. But one thing I want to do to make sure is fraternally, I'm I'm straight. So I paid up all my. I don't have much dues to pay, but I pay my dues. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just saying that because you know I, I I had to get out here to get interviews like Asia's, like yours, mm -hmm. you know, like the other ones I'll do later on today. But I'm just grateful mm -hmm. to be in the room. Yeah, <laughs> I'm grateful to be in the room. Um, with people like yourself, people like her. I'm grateful for her allowing us to use her place. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, but this is what I wanted to say. You've been you've been seeing me um dab my head with this towel for you know period to period, period <laughs> to period. So um couple of things. I was on Airbnb. I, I, I hit Airbnb and I was like, I want a place to stay. I don't want to kind of stay in a hotel, but I want to stay somewhere where I get the, the sense of the city. Absolutely. So um, the guy, I'm not going to use his name, but I um, I find his Airbnb. He says he's in, in, in L.A., right? Mm -hmm. I get out of the plane. I'm getting a rental car, and I look to see how far he is from the airport. Mm -hmm. He's an hour. Away. Okay. So when I'm driving, I'm like, this, this, this can't be L.A. Like, this is too far. I'm from the city. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So where I live right now, my mother-in-law is... Let's say 15 minutes away. My mom is 20 minutes away from okay. last day. So I was just like, this can't be LA. So I get to the spot, right, check in. And I'm like, hey, man, um, where's the AC? What's what's going on with the AC? We was like, oh, what, we just turned it on, but there are two fans. I, I tell my wife, two fans? What am I supposed to do with two fans? What's going on with this AC thing in LA? What? <laughs> what's Lord. Your... <laughs> so... One thing I told you on the phone is that I feel like in some ways LA is kind of late to me. Yeah. With getting, and I, I've had a couple people who are not gonna be like, you know, LA is late. Yeah. So when I moved here, and I live in a duplex, um, and so I'm renting a room in a duplex, and my room is upstairs, and so I'm like, yeah, so where's this? You can come on, I'm like, hey, where's that? Oh yeah, you don't have do what now? Ain't no, ain't now. Like what? What you mean? I see. Like, what do you mean? And what I realized, a lot of these houses in LA, they do not have air conditioning. Like, that's mm -hmm. a luxury. Consider a luxury out here. Like, they don't do AC. Everybody's doing window units. So, 
I had to buy my first one. I didn't know how to hook it up. And thank God my roommate told me like, she's like, oh girl, yeah, you just, and she got a hella screwdriver and put it together and put it, you know, got it situated. And so now my room is like 68 degrees at all times. <laughs> but listen, yeah, I'm telling you, man, like, it, cause I moved out here in June, so it's the height of the summer. Oh my God. And it's been a hot one. It was hot in New York when we were in July. Yeah. It was hot in New York. Right, so global warming ain't no joke, man. So you feel it. That global warming hit different when you ain't got no AC. Yeah. You know, and so it's crazy because even, even some schools don't have AC. Jesus. Well, you know, and in Texas, if the AC is out in the building, you don't have to clock in. I didn't know that because sometimes I know my energy level is different when the AC ain't working in my classroom. If it's not working, I'm yeah. not jumping and screaming like I normally do when it's cold. No, it's, it's crazy because when I was in Dallas, if the AC wasn't working in my class, my class was immediately moved to the library for the whole day. Okay. You know what I mean? While they work on the AC. And my principal, oh, I'm so sorry. Let's get you. They would always be apologetic. Let's get you in the library. Let's get you in the parent welcome center. Like, y'all have to just do something different today, yeah. right? But the idea of dwelling where there's no AC, for Southern people, that's unheard of. Like, we're not living where there ain't no AC. Yeah, that's true. That's but true. don't ever say what you won't do because here I am living in a city where there are lots of places, you know, where um, when, you, when you're renting, where they do not have AC. But yeah. like, you know, I got my window unit, so hey. Mm, okay, that's the AC thing out here. Yeah, but it's like y'all five hours from Phoenix. How do y'all not know about AC out here? Like, how, how, y'all, how do y'all survive? Yeah. Well, no, like, how are you? But well, many of these homes, even in Hollywood, do not have AC. Jesus. Many of these apartments. Oh, my God. So I invite creatives out to uh, share this, um, their journeys and uh, depict, give us a depiction of their visions. So the last question I ask you is what's next for, uh, say your first name again? Kalea. Kalea Vaughn. What's next for you? What's next for you? Um, I would love my next goal is to have a literary agent. Because once you get a literary agent, you know, things begin to manifest. I would love to get a literary agent. Um, I would also love for when our family hits Amazon Prime that it does really well. And I would love for someone to see that and contact me about other things. Mm -hmm. So I'm open now to the possibilities of what God would have me do. Because before I was like, I just want to be a screenwriter, but I'm at the space now where whatever God has for me, then I'm I'm receptive to that. Okay. So yeah, but I hope the literary agent for sure, for sure. This is the um, second exclusive oh black SVI T-shirt that uh, I brought out here specifically to give to people that came on my podcast. Thank you. I want to say, and I'm going to mail you uh, that. Um, Capricorn, you are absolutely that Capricorn T-shirt. Yeah, I can't begin or end the year without Capricorns. That's a word for somebody. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I see how you did that. That was good. That no, was don't good. be petty. Don't I'm be not petty. being petty. That was good though. Mm. It was real. It was real good. See, I see. See, see. I'm. Are you? A, you're a true Capricorn. Though. True Capricorn. Okay. Well, I really can't say anything then. So this is for you. This you is like black. my best friend. She's a Leo. Y'all so petty. I'm not I know, petty. I don't understand you a Virgo, but yeah. I'm not petty. I just, you know, I just feel like that was, you know, that was. You're opportune. sophisticated, petty, but you're definitely petty. That's that was opportune for you to say. Mm -hmm. I I just mm -hmm. think that you tried to squeeze that in where, and it was it's so factual that I really can't argue that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But this is a black SBI <laughs> T-shirt. Um, for I love it. all the creators that come on, um, I will send you the other one in the mail. I appreciate I your time, it. and I appreciate us being able to. Uh, I appreciate Asia for letting me use this spot. Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. What's next for you? Oh man, um, cause you write, mm, you direct, mm, you act, mm, you do poetry, you mm, do a podcast. So what's next for you? I want my podcast to be number one in the state of Texas. Okay. So that when I get on here and and I really use my podcast for the platform that I created it for, um, I'm making money um, on my films. That's a bit. So I'm going to uh, you 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 tell me to to fully close the circle around. I'll send you the script again, but mm -hmm. you tell me to fully close the circle around the, the girl character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to shoot it to Asia, and then I'm going to look at my HISD schedule and find out when I have a gap to come out here and film that, and I want to do that. Well, I'm definitely part of film crew, so holla at me. No doubt. I no definitely, doubt. I don't mind working. Los Angeles, California, Houston, Texas. I do what I do for myself to prove that I can do it for others. Peace and blessings.
Yo, it feel like 95 Sachi on my body Biggie, Jigga, Puffy All that ballin' is a hobby And I'm wildin' in my wallies And them valleys, no Pilates More way get you more wet Nah, that's these Bumanti My crystal ball, I see crystal I crystal y'all with that I saw the sign like Ace of Spades That Ace of Spades get cracked We like, cheers to the money guys The Willie niggas Who buy them bottles And then they spill these liquors Yo, yo, salute my dude Oh.